The following radio show takes place between 7 p.m. and 8.05 p.m. Events occur in fake time. Wednesday, January 19th, 2022, and we are doing yet another edition of Simulation Radio Live. And it feels a little bit fresher in here today, folks, because I would like to show you guys something really quick before we jump into things today. By the way, we do have a lot to get to. Uh, we do have some follow-up from the 5G launch that was supposed to be occurring today, and we will find out whether or not any planes uh, crashed and burned on the way to where they're supposed to go. We'll do a deep dive into that. Plus, I do want to do a follow-up to some of the stories that we were supposed to do yesterday. And also, we've got uh, just a casual little this week in football players being arrested because I I I'll admit it. I'll admit it right now, fellas, that I made a mistake in the social media post teaser for tonight's show, which, by the way, you should be following uh, at Simulation Radio on everything on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I guess. And nope, st still not TikTok. Don't do TikTok because it's stupid. But uh, I, I made a mistake tonight, which is that I accidentally mixed up the two football player stories. One of the football players, the one that was naked that got arrested, which we'll we'll cover that momentarily. Uh, that's a player from the Cleveland Browns. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars player that got arrested was one that went on a massively high-speed chase, got the footage of that. We will go over that uh, in due time, trust me. But really quickly, I want to uh, give a bit of a public service announcement, which is that clean your rooms, people. And uh, unfortunately for me, I'm in a situation where the studio is, and I'll, I'll show you guys the overhead shot here too, because I've set that up. We got a camera. Uh, nice, right up there. Hi, how are y'all doing, everybody? But uh, the studio, how it's set up here in my home, the home studio, is I have this giant little den area where I've split it in half and my bedroom's on one side and the studio is over here on the other side. And I did a little bit of spring cleaning today. It felt nice. And I'm not going to lie, most of that spring cleaning was walking around and spraying fucking Febreze on everything like, ch -ch -ch oh, everything smells nice and nice and fresh and clean now. But I also moved away, uh, moved out some of the shit like this printer that has been out of ink for God knows how long that was formerly 
uh, like right here. It was a giant big old chair with a printer that accomplished literally jack shit. Got that out of the way. And so, it, look, it feels nice and spacious in here now. Even uh, we got got the nice big old fireplace. It's not real, trust me. Otherwise, we'd probably burn everything down. Uh, so we're working on some studio decorations and aesthetic stuff. So I've ordered some things today that will be coming in the next couple of days. We will see them next week if they don't get here in time for the very interesting show tomorrow. But it 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 feels kind of nice. It's nice and spacious. And I switched chairs too, which by the way, uh, I really did not like the thumbnail that was part of yesterday's uh, show recording because the thumbnail, I couldn't capture a better shot. I could not capture a better shot of something interesting on the screen and not having me like hunched over like fucking Gollum. And so I think also I'm going to just continue to wear a... Uh, I'm going to buy a whole endless amount of black shirts to continue to wear uh, on camera because, look, the black shirts, they they hide my love handles while I'm getting rid of that. So in the meantime, I'm just going to continue to wear black shirts the whole time. So again, before we jump into things, I do want to remind everybody that if you are listening to the podcast or the recorded YouTube video, then please be sure to follow uh, simulation radio on YouTube, subscribe to it. We do the shows live, which as you can see right up here now, in case, just in case any one of these clips that I put out from the shows happens to just blow the fuck up. I don't know how or why, but just in case now we got all that info Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 7 PM Eastern on the YouTube channel. It is at simulation radio on YouTube, or if you're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash simulation radio i don't quite pay as much attention to it but you know we'll we'll be streaming some video games very soon so not that we haven't already before but some video game streams coming and i feel like twitch is probably the, the best place for that so look might as well stream the shows on there too so make sure that you are uh following along with that now we start off today with some follow-up from a story that we covered yesterday which is that AT&T and Verizon agreed to delay the rollout of 5G, their 5G uh, expansion. And then it came out today. So what they agreed to do was they only agreed to delay the rollout of 5G within two miles of airports because many airline CEOs came out and were concerned about the degree to which the 5G technology would interfere with flights. Now, to kind of recap something that we talked about yesterday, uh, essentially what that means is that these 5G uh, bans, the the 5G injections that we all got from the vaccines now uh, interfere with some of the airline equipment that allows them to land properly and it allows them to like kind of see what's on the ground and get a view as to how they're going to land the 5g equipment fucks with that and so the airline companies uh essentially came out and said uh, shit we don't know what to do and at&t and verizon did kind of compromise with them just slightly saying they would delay the rollout of 5G within two miles of the airports, but it was supposed to launch today. And you might have noticed, if you have Verizon or AT&T, you might have noticed that you have 5G service now. 
And that's because it was turned on today officially. And what you're probably wondering if you either listened yesterday or you saw the news yesterday as to the whole big question of what was going to happen, which is that, okay, what did happen? Now, it launched today, and so we kind of have to take a look at it and examine whether or not these airlines were are they were they just kind of concerned about nothing are they talking out their ass or was there some real meat and some real merit to some of the concerns that they had now uh it does say that there were no accidents crashes there was nothing that malfunctioned today in any uh airports or in any airplanes that were flying around flying around doing the thing not getting just smacked in the face by 5G waves that are now injected into our brains. Uh, however, international airlines, several of them, said that they still plan to suspend some flights. So there were still a lot of flight cancellations today, including ones from Japan Airlines and all Nippon Airways, which are two Japanese airlines. Uh, a couple of Indian Airlines grounded some of their flights. Overall, as of around 3 o'clock this afternoon, there were 900 and 78 canceled flights to, from, and within the U.S. while they try and figure out what they're going to do. They've started to use some older airplanes as well from what I can see and from the kind of research that I've done. Uh, and some of these planes apparently are not quite as interfered by the 5G waves that are now scrambling our brains as a lot of the the newer models now flights in and out of other airports the airline said could still be impacted by faa rules that restrict flight activity under various weather conditions once 5g is switched on because of limited interference with altitude instruments and that's the main and the primary thing that the airlines were concerned about which is the 5g fucking with the aircraft equipment that helps them navigate through weather and helps them craft their landing paths the FAA on Wednesday approved roughly 62% of the U.S. commercial fleet to perform low-visibility landings at airports where 5G has been deployed, but warned that flights at some airports may still be affected. So essentially, what happened was a lot of cancellations, a lot of delays, and fortunately, airlines are required to provide refunds and not just travel credits if they cancel a flight. Delta said it will issue travel waivers in advance of any 5G-related cancellations that will allow travelers to make flight changes without paying a fair difference. So, excuse me. So if you were one of those people that had a flight today that happened to get canceled because the airlines were still kind of concerned about getting fucked with by the 5G, then you will get either a change in your flight or you'll get uh, some sort of refund or you'll get a travel waiver. So it doesn't look like this is the end of the world. Look, we might have thought yesterday that we were all going to die because all the airports are going to come crashing down or or all, all the airplanes at least. But fortunately, that does not appear to have happened. And despite the fact that AT&T and Verizon are still delaying the launch of the 5G uh, towers that are near within two miles of the airports. We'll have to see how they handle that. And I talked about this yesterday, but it seems like the rest of the world can handle this. The rest of the world can figure this technology out. And yet somehow we in the U.S. have not really been able to do that. And 
it seems like first impression that that's the fault of the airlines. Like the airlines had very prompt and ample warning that this was going to happen. And yet here we are come the time that it was supposed to happen. And the airlines are still freaking out like, oh, no, I don't we don't know what to do. And this technology is clearly out there because the rest of the world has figured it out. And yet we have not. All right, another story that we were supposed to get to uh, yesterday because I teased it and I really, really love slamming crypto bros because it's a very cringe subsect of social media that and I try not to make this a point to only spend time like shitting on things because that's just that that's just negative energy, man. I really don't like that. And yet occasionally there comes a cause that is just so cringe or so stupid that you have to lambast it. You have to make fun of it and kind of keep them in check. Otherwise, the people that are responsible for said cringe will continue to think that creating said cringe is okay. And it's not. It's not. Stop it, people. And Crypto bros are the ones that are responsible for this, or at the very least, a group of crypto investors, which is called Spice Dow or Spice DAO. Not quite sure what they're going with on that. They spent millions of dollars to buy a rare adaptation of a science fiction book, Dune. So the book Dune, whose movie came out towards the end of last year, I still haven't seen it yet, but again, I'm falling into that trap where... I want to read the book before I go see the movie, but the book is like eight fucking books long and it's legitimately massive. Like, look at the size of this book. All right, check out the screen here, chat. And if you're not watching the video, if you're listening to the podcast, then I have a picture of this. I believe this is the entire anthology of Dune into one book. And my God, is that a massive book? And there's eight of them. There's eight of them, which is absolutely insane. There's no fucking way I'll... I'll be getting to that until, or at least before another movie comes out. But these crypto bros, crypto investors called Spice Dow, they pooled together all of their, well, not all of, but a significant portion of their crypto so that they can make NFTs and an animated series of the book Dune, which they won for a 2.66 million euro price tag. Their mission was to make the book public, to produce an original animated limited series inspired by the book, and sell it to a streaming service and support derivative projects from the community. And they've been known to do stuff like this before because there was a story a couple months back about crypto bros trying to pool their crypto funds together in the totally real online universe and by uh, the constitution right you probably heard that because that made news and this is another one of those types of things however uh unknown to them and they had to be told this after making this purchase is the fact that they have only bought a copy of the book and not its actual rights so it's like you buy a, a fucking toy like you buy a power ranger and then you think that oh i'm gonna make a power rangers movie no, you're not. You're not. You don't have the rights to that. That's not how NFTs work. I, I get that NFTs are the new sweeping, breaking thing that's going to define the future, just like Web3 and all the other shit that all the, the cringe crypto bros talk about on Twitter. And I'm not saying that all of that stuff is a bad thing, because clearly we need to find a way to 
decentralize our finances going forward. But at the same time, some of these people that have just dedicated their entire lives to crypto, it's it it you're just as bad as the fucking idiots that sit on Twitter whining about uh, politics all day. Like find something better to do in life, man. Or don't. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and judge. But at first glance, the intention behind the per purchase of the adaptation of Doom seems noble, and there are probably under 20 copies of this particular adaptation in the world today that got printed. And even if they don't help make an animated series, the preservation of the book is, which is quoted by Interesting Engineering, is a service in and of itself. However, Instead, what they want to do is they want to convert each page of the book into an NFT and then burn the book. Wow, yeah, burning books always sounds like a good idea. I don't, I don't know, man. I, there's just nothing like having an actual book in your hands to read. You get that fresh scent of the page and not the possibility that it'll ever be taken away from you because you physically own it. That's the mistake that everybody that tried to purchase iTunes songs back in the day fell into, which is, I'm sorry, no, you don't actually own the iTunes song. You own the digital download of it, and it could be taken away from you at any time. It makes me understand why uh, all of our parents bought CDs or even records back when that was the day, which is making a comeback. All the, uh, the retro-style vinyls are coming back now like my dad owns a he went out and bought one of those new style like turnstiles turntables and owns a fuck ton of vinyls so all the old stuff is coming back and if we're getting rid of physical copies of things that seems it seems dangerous to me from a society preserving standpoint which just seems bad while making an NFT collection out of each page makes it easier to own a piece of history in the digital realm, the burning of the book does not really make sense at all, unless you're doing it for publicity or to increase the value of the NFTs that were created prior to the burning. Because, yeah, that, that's what, that, that seems to be all that the crypto bros care about is the value of their fucking NFTs versus what the human meaning behind what they're doing is uh, okay sure we burn the book so our nfts are mooning but you burned a fucking book you donkeys this is one of those things that really really uh really does not give me a positive opinion of the crypto world well not of the crypto world but specifically crypto bros in on Twitter that are fucking annoying and cringe. Uh, crypto is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But there are some people like every hobby, like every major hobby that just take things way too seriously. The DAO or DAO had to backtrack. They ended up telling Gizmo Gizmodo that they are fully aware that they do not own the copyright to the material. What they intend to do actually is to create a spinoff or their own version of the Dune series and have assembled a creative team to make the world's first NFT-funded feature film. All right, yeah, I'm sure that that's... The whole world is cheering behind you. Hey, hey. NFTs, they're exciting. Exciting stuff. So we'll continue to follow this. Look, if any uh, Dune thing or animated series or kind of stupid spinoff 
comes out anytime soon or even not anytime soon, then we can point back to this story and see this as its origin. But I don't know. It seems like the DAO is making some stuff up. Spice Dow. I don't know, man. It's DAO in all caps. I It still seems like it's intended to be pronounced Spice Dow. We'll probably go with that. But it really seems like while they're trying to save face here from a PR perspective, based on the fact that they put out their plans like this and it sounded just so confident like that, it really seems like that they actually thought that they own the rights to it, which just use some common sense, man. That's that's not how this works. That is not how this works at all. They had to backtrack. <laughs> all right, fellas, before we go to break, I would like to do a one time segment. This is a one time segment only, but uh, some very interesting football player news has come out recently and what better thing to do because they both happened here in florida is this week in football players getting arrested we've got two of them we have lorente mccray of the jacksonville jaguars and we have who is the other one malik mcdowell of the Cleveland Browns. And we'll start with the least, uh, the least bad of the two of them. Because if you, once you hear this first story and you think that, oh, this is the, the least bad of them, imagine what the other one is. Just you wait, just you wait, fellas. We will get to that in just a moment. But Jacksonville Jaguars player, Lorente McCray was arrested over the weekend in Lake County. This happened just before 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. A patrol officer with the Fruitland Police Department observed a Dodge Ram speeding on State Road 205 and initiated a traffic stop. But that is when the Jacksonville Jaguars player, Mr. Lorente McRae, decided, okay, I don't think I'm going to follow those rules. Instead, I think I'm going to give you the cop the middle finger and just blaze it right the fuck by and commence a very high speed chase. And he was uh, he was promptly arrested. The police department said the driver did not stop and was seen making an expletive hand gesture. Oh, I wonder what that could be. Wonder what that could be using his middle finger out the window during the chase. Officers reached speeds of up to 100 miles per hour, during which McRae swerved across multiple lanes of traffic before finally stopping. And it's a good thing that this happened at 1 a.m., because imagine if this had happened when uh, there were actual people on the road that could have gotten hit by this. And it's always a fortunate situation when a high-speed chase happens when nobody's driving. I mean, man, that's that's the best time to go driving, though. I mean, not to lead police on a high-speed chase, but to just go driving in general. There's really nothing like cruising down the fucking highway at 100 miles per hour at 3 in the morning. Now, um, not self-incriminating myself by saying that I've ever done this before, but I'm, I'm hypothetically, only hypothetically, sounds pretty fun. Sounds pretty fun, man. 
And we have, of course, some uh, some footage of some of this high-speed chase from TMZ. Unfortunately, the TMZ watermark is still on the on the video, but they did capture the video, so more more power to them. They're still going. You can see him in his Dodge truck just weaving and bobbing and out of traffic, in and out of traffic. I wonder when this starts to get exciting. It is noted that he ended up that they ended up stopping at a 7-Eleven. Oh, there's another police officer that starts to get involved here. He's swerving, dipping, dodging, diving. He's not dodging any wrenches, though. Out of traffic. That's a lot of lanes there, man. I pick one of them. I, I get that you're on a high-speed chase here, but still, you gotta be, you gotta be precise about this. Now it seems like he is speeding away. He uh, he was fortunately uh, caught in the end. Police say they tried to catch him, but claim he was driving so recklessly and at such a rate of speed that they ultimately called the pursuit off. And he was stopped about 15 minutes later, however, by the Tavares Police Department. And during that stop, he was acting erratically and eventually transported to a hospital for medical evaluation. Uh, he did end up telling the officers that he did not flick the officer off and he was trying to motion for the officer to continue following him. Likely story. Likely story. You don't, you don't, you stick your middle finger out. Look, this, I, I could kind of see this being a, a beckon. He just has so happened to use his middle finger for it. Like, all right, yep, come follow me. Let me lead you on a 100 mile per hour chase with erratic driving. That's not a bad excuse, man. I, I could see a world where he might have gotten away with this, uh, with that story, but with with driving like that i mean I, I was going to make a very inappropriate stereotype driving joke but we'll hold off i will remain uncanceled for the time being at the very least he bonded out later according to jail records he's due in court for a hearing on the matter next month he started at the university of florida and has been playing in the nfl since 2014 and he played 12 games with the Jaguars this season, and he is slated to be a free agent in the offseason. So I wonder wonder if any teams are going to pick him up. Doesn't seem fairly likely. Police did end up recovering marijuana and a shotgun inside of his truck. Oh, no, he's got marijuana and a shotgun. That's bad. That's bad. His court date is scheduled for February 14th, and the Jacksonville Jaguars issued a statement. We are aware of the situation and are gathering more information. We have no further comment at this time. But their season's over. This player, Mr. McRae, is scheduled to be a free agent next season. So it sounds like they just, the Jags just wash their hands of this and are done with it. And now that you've heard that story, this is the worst of the two of them. You think that's bad, but a defensive lineman 
for the Cleveland Browns, Malik McDowell was arrested after being filmed attacking a police officer while naked in South Florida because, of course, the, the he comes to Florida and thinks, it's okay, I'm just going to walk around naked and walk around schools and attack police officers and just expose everything. He's 25 years old and has been charged with aggravated battery on an officer, resisting an officer, obstructing with violence and exposure of sex organs in public. And of course, of course, this wouldn't be a complete story without footage of some of his shenanigans. And I am very, very happy to be bringing you guys some of this as well. And the last time McDonald got into trouble, a judge made him write some essays about finding meaning this in isn't life the first other time. than committing crimes and respecting the rule of law. So he's been in trouble with the law before, and one of the conditions the last time that he got in trouble was the judge told him, all right, you know, you got to write some essays. You got to Bart Simpson it on the chalkboard saying that I'm, I need to find a different meaning in life. But it sounds like that did not appeal to him in the slightest because he is attacking police officers and walking around schools naked. That doesn't seem like a life full of purpose. Or 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 maybe it does. Maybe it does, depending on your your life point of view. Well, this young man ran afoul of it in Florida. Now he's facing two ran afoul. in the misdemeanor. Five yards. NFL player Malik McDowell released Repeat from a county down. jail in Florida after he was arrested and charged for roughing up an officer while naked. A bystander captured the oh, dust here he is. between the Cleveland He's Browns dead defensive naked. tackle and a sheriff's deputy. It all happened in Deerfield Beach, about 40 miles north of Miami Monday. McDowell attacked responding officers. Whoa, after what happened there? Dispatchers. It looks like the blur, whatever was, whoever was blurring it, they like skipped out on the blur for a second and they removed the blur. There was like a couple of frames in there where you could just, you could see everything. And I'm not going to rewind this in case social media decides to completely obliterate us but just trust me trust me that happened the blur whoever was working the blur just decided all right no we need to see his dick for one brief second before we go back to blurring it got a call about a naked man running around a naked florida man even walking on soon to the be. property of a children's learning center yeah it's scary i don't know what happened i don't know why he was in that state of mind mcdonald's defense attorney adam swickle offered this in court tuesday apparently uh somebody may have uh slipped him something or given him something that he was unaware of which ah so the defense is that somebody else must have slipped him something some kind of drugs or something that made him more inclined to attack police officers and run around elementary schools naked to be, well while that's not completely outside of the realm of possibility and i definitely know of some drugs that could possibly do that it, it still seems a little bit fishy to me. Explain some of this uh, bizarre behavior. McDowell is charged with aggravated battery, resisting an officer, uh -oh. and exposing himself in public. They're showing that footage again. Deputy Novello this morning. The bruising and swelling on his face has gotten worse. Man, they are really not doing a good job keeping up with the blur over his private parts. The blur, like, the blur fails to catch up with him at certain points while he's charging and attacking the police officer. They, whatever news station this was really really must have wanted us to to 
see him naked. And now the world sees him naked. And we will see how his football career progresses after this. He's still having trouble walking as a result of this incident. Experts say McDowell could also face a civil lawsuit. Many Uh times throughout history, what we've seen are people being charged with crimes. And what they'll do is they may reduce them and sometimes even dismiss them in exchange for a civil suit where that person becomes the monetarily responsible. Yes. McDowell is currently on probation after this run-in with police in Lathrop Village back in 2019. So this was the incident here uh, in this incident with police that caused the judge to make him write essays about the meaning of life. Uh, I looks like he's robbing a convenience store and was convicted back in 2016 for this. He was charged with assaulting an officer and operating a motor vehicle while intoxicated. Jesus. McDowell was a star athlete at Southfield High School and a highly touted MSU recruit. So he's been talented for his entire life. And unfortunately, it seems like that when drugs enter the picture, then that's when... That's when all of that talent just goes to waste and he's arrested multiple times, both of them for assaulting an officer. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say this is funny because uh, obviously when you're walking around naked in front of children, that's highly fucked up. But at the same time, it, it is it, it's a little bit funny. Uh, as long as none of the kids saw his penis, that's... That that's the condition upon which this is funny, okay? And that will conclude this week in football players getting arrested. So when we come back, I teased it. It was the primary post on social media. A man is running for Congress and his campaign ad as he runs for Senate in Louisiana has something very spicy and very interesting in it. We will learn about that. Plus, the purchase of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft is causing some controversy. And there's another story about two men in a relationship, and one of them had erectile dysfunction, and they had a very interesting solution to try and uh, get him up. And it may, unfortunately, cause him to lose the use of his dick until the end of time and we'll cover all that when we get back
Oh, man, I was really cutting it close on getting back from break in time. I had the rush of the five-minute break time where I got one of the studio direct- or decorations from Amazon perfectly in time. Oh, and it looks like it just ran out of battery. No, that's a shame. So uh, I went downstairs to go get the Amazon package. I thought, all right, you know, maybe I could set it up uh, in time for the second segment and put it up. But unfortunately, it did not come with a fully charged battery. But we got our got a space ball in honor of space balls. That's not actually what I got it for. But uh, it's supposed to glow up and be cool and have some nice decorative touches to the studio but it lasted for approximately one minute before it died but at the very least we got to see it before uh before it died we got to see it glow up just just so slightly so i want to get to this story we do have a couple of stories to get to before we close it out for the week for simulation radio live and i teased it on social media but there's a man named gary chambers and He's running for Senate in Louisiana, and he went viral, even including an appearance on, not an appearance from him, but getting the cut on uh, Stephen Colbert's show, as terrible as it is, and I watched the segment, and it got awful, and hearing Stephen Colbert talk is like putting fucking knives in my ears. I don't know what happened to him, man. I At least the Colbert Report character was, like, funny, but... Now he's just a fucking shill. So he went viral for his ad called 37 Seconds. And it's an ad that essentially is uh, lobbying and encouraging. I don't want to say lobbying because that has a bad connotation for the legalization of marijuana, which I think is a thing that most people agree with at this point. He's a progressive uh, candidate that is running in Louisiana for the Democratic nomination. And his ad went viral and his ad went viral for a very specific reason, which is that he was blazing it up in the middle of the ad in order to encourage uh, the legalization of marijuana. And while Stephen Colbert tried to make this like he does everything a racial justice issue and you can kind of like read between the lines and see that that's what he's getting at, too, which is not an inaccurate or incorrect assessment of what happens in the police enforcement world, at least when it comes to drugs. He's trying to bring attention to it. And I'll show you this ad because this is a legitimate, like, U.S. Senate candidate who is just smoking a blunt right in the ad. Every 37 seconds, someone is arrested for possession of marijuana. Since 2010, state and He's local police on have arrested an estimated 7.3 million Americans for violating marijuana laws. The source of this data is the ACLU, which, you know, we their credibility, give or take. But uh, he's mostly trying to just get the message across about injustice and the disparity between the way that drug laws are enforced amongst different people, Over half which is bad. Drug arrests. Black people are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana laws than white people. 
States waste $3.7 billion enforcing marijuana laws every year. It's hard to argue with that, at least. Like, sure, whichever side of the the systemic racism debate you may be on, you can debate that, sure. But it's hard to argue that a fuck ton of money is wasted in the enforcement of these laws because we've seen polling data. The vast majority of people want to legalize marijuana. I picked a really good frame to pause it at, by the way. Just he's he got a good bar to that blunt smoked. That blunt is almost down to the the end there. So he is having a good, good time on the set of recording his campaign ad. Most of the people police are arresting aren't dealers, but rather people with small amounts of pot, just like me. I'm Gary Chambers. Also I'm valid for the U.S. Senate, and I approve. He picked a bad day to go out there, man. Look at him. He he got rained on, and he's smoking a blunt out, just chilling out there in a field on a throne while getting rained on. His suit's kind of wet, and I'm surprised I didn't put the blunt out. But blunts are surprisingly resilient, as we all know. Prove this message. He does approve this message. So let me know what you think about this, because I'm curious as to if you think this is going to uh, help him, whether or not the virality of this is going to help his campaign. Or do you think that it might potentially draw unwanted attention to or attention about issues that he's not really particularly going after? And people are just going to focus on the him smoking blunt in the ad thing, because that happens a lot, right? Where somebody with a certain message and a prime example of this is Elon Musk on Joe Rogan, right? Like there was a two and a half hour interview. Elon Musk had a lot to say, but as soon as he starts smoking a blunt on Joe Rogan's podcast, every single thing about it became about Elon Musk smoking the blunt. And I feel like that could be something that happens here too, where this guy has a legitimate message to put out there. And yet the fact that he's smoking a blunt in a campaign ad, that's going to be what gathers the most people's attention. And that's going to be the sole focus of uh, people that react to this. So I'm curious as to what you think about this. Please be sure to leave a comment on the YouTube video or on social media or in chat or anywhere and let me know what you think because I want to hear about this and we can we all can kind of talk about it. So he's Gary Chambers, he's running for the US Senate in Louisiana and I would really really like to know what you think. His website is chambersforlouisiana.com and he he just he's kind of cool, man. Like like it or not, uh, or agree with him, disagree with him on his policies. Like, obviously, since he's a hyper-progressive candidate, I would probably find myself disagreeing with most of his policies. But you have to remove that, or you don't have to, but if you remove that from the equation and you just kind of look at the guy, seems like a cool guy. Not that that's a valid sole reason to vote for somebody. Clearly, you need to vote for somebody based on their policies and what you think about their positions on various things. So let me know what you think about this, because I am curious as to your reaction about this. More than likely, if you heard this story already, you probably heard it as I did solely from the angle of he's smoking a blunt in his campaign ad and whether or not that will be the thing that most people end up 
solely focusing on, like the Elon Musk smoking a, a joint on Joe Rogan, whether or not that ends up being what most people focus on, uh, we'll have to see how that ends up playing out. But at the same time, is that a bad thing? Maybe this is the kind of attention that he needs. Now he has national attention in this race. He's made viral headlines. And as we all know, uh, no publicity is bad or how, how, how does that phrase go? Uh, even bad publicity is good publicity, something like that. But let me know what you think and your take on this, and we will get to them as they come in. The supply chains, though, the supply chains are an ongoing issue that nobody seems to know how to fix, except for, of course, the federal government, because if they knew how to fix it, then surely they would have done so by now as if fixing the supply chain is just as simple as like a snap up. Oh, the supply chain is fixed. There are so many moving parts to it that it's a very long and arduous task to get to that point where we can start uh, alleviating some of the pressure in it. But they've got a solution, fellas. The federal government is moving forward with a plan to let teenagers drive big rigs from state to state in a test program. Now, currently how it works is that truckers who cross state lines must be at least 21 years old, but the federal government, and I don't think this is a bad thing, by the way. It, I mean, if we, they're old enough to drive, now they've got to be old enough to drive correctly, and they will do so through an apprenticeship program required by Congress to help ease supply chain backlogs, which would let 18 to 20-year-old truckers drive outside of their home states. And this was a pilot program that was detailed last week in a proposed regulation from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, which would screen the teens, barring any with driving while impaired violations or traffic tickets for causing a crash. So they're immediately uh, outlaw or outlawing and overruling Anybody that has a DUI or anybody that's driven while high or anybody with a DWI, those are all roughly the same thing, or people that have traffic violations involving a crash. So they're weeding out all of the teenagers that have proven themselves incapable of driving safe currently, but they're letting the ones that don't into this program where they teach them, they teach them how to drive the trucks. And now we've got additional truck drivers and that seems to have been one of the most common reasons behind uh, a lot of the shortages that we have is that there are not a lot of truckers out there to drive the trucks to get the shit to where it needs to go and if we add capable 18 to 20 year olds into the equation that seems to be a very uh large amount of people now i i don't know the data on how many there would be specifically. But I mean, at this point, anything helps. Anything helps. Safety advocates say that the program runs counter to data showing that younger drivers get in more crashes than older ones. They say it's unwise to let teenager drivers be responsible for rigs that can weigh up to 80,000 pounds and cause catastrophic damage when they hit lighter vehicles. But I would argue that, I mean... Th that same kind of risk is still there for 
truckers that are of age. And if we train them properly, which hopefully it's not the federal government that is responsible for training these kids, because then their training could be God knows what quality. But if they're trained capably and if they're trained well then i really don't see any reason that we can't just let these kids drive man especially if it will help out the supply chain issues and it'll start helping shit get to where it's supposed to go because if you've seen if you've been to a grocery store lately then you've probably noticed all the stuff that's not there so uh, overall i disagree with the argument here that uh while it could cause safety concerns, because look, let's be honest, uh, young people, 18 to 20 year olds are more prone to doing stupid things. I mean, they just haven't learned that part of life yet. They haven't made the mistakes to uh, learn from them, which this is one of those things that I was arguing earlier that I think capable training could help curb as long as it's good. The American Trucking Associations, a large industry trade group, supports the measure as a way to help with the shortage of drivers. The group estimates that the nation is running over 80,000 drivers short of the number that it needs. And this is as demand to move freight reaches historic highs. So the demand is ridiculously high and there is not staffing. There is not an adequate amount of people to get the stuff out there. So I, I really don't see what's wrong here. Now, under the apprenticeship, younger drivers can cross state lines during 120-hour and 280-hour probationary periods as long as an experienced driver is in the passenger seat, which that doesn't seem like that's going to help the supply chain issues at all if we're taking a, a driver away from driving and putting them with the teenager. But if it's to train them properly, I mean, this is one of those things that you have to do to train them properly is you have to have ride-alongs. You can't just teach them the theory and send them out on their own. But that's just one of those working hazards that we're going to have to deal with here if this is how they choose to proceed. Trucks used in the program have to have an electronic braking crash mitigation system, a forward-facing video camera, and their speeds must be limited to 65 miles per hour, which seems reasonable to me. It really does. These all seem like very valid safety measures that hopefully should allow these young teenage drivers to, at first, learn to drive with an experienced driver with them, but hopefully fairly soon or after some sort of a probationary period, uh, drive on their own. Now, it does say after probation, they can drive on their own, but companies will have to monitor their performance until they're 21. So as long as you're at that age, the pre-21 age, you'll be in the probationary period. And no more than 3,000 apprentices can take part in the training at any given time, which also seems to be a good thing because you really, really do not want to have like overcrowded classrooms like are in public schools. You want to make sure that they're giving these kids the attention that they need for this. The program will run for up to three years and the motor carrier agency have to turn in a report to Congress analyzing the safety record of the teen drivers and making a recommendation on whether the younger drivers are as safe as those 21 or older. And Congress could expand the program 
with new laws. The test is part of a broader set of measures from the Biden administration to deal with the trucker shortage and improve working conditions for truck drivers. Let me know what you think about this. Is this a good idea? Do you think that this could potentially cause safety hazards on the road from 18 to 20 year old kids driving? Or are you willing to take that risk? Do you think that this is a good thing and is something that could legitimately help us out in the supply chain issues? So let me, let me know what you think about this. Please do, of course, leave a comment on all of the socials at Simulation Radio or in the YouTube video at youtube.com slash simulation radio. Let's do reach for this guy. Oh no, not my shit! Somebody do something! Reach for the sky! Oh no, Sheriff Woody! We changed it up a little bit today, but of course, at the end of every show, we do reach for the sky where we calm down, chill out a little bit. <sighs> Namaste, chat. Cool down with me. Breathe in, breathe out, and peace be with you. So what we're going to start doing is I announced the question yesterday because if you're not familiar with the way that things go on the show, we used to use a website called randomquestionmaker.com. And... They had five categories, and we ran out of those questions. So instead, I picked a different random question generator that generated much, much harder questions. And I decided that I needed a day to sit on these questions. So I'm going to answer yesterday's question, which is, what part of history do you find the most interesting? Again, this is a randomly generated question from the robot. And after answering this question, we will draw Monday's question. And it should be a good one because I'll have all weekend to think about it. So yesterday's question was, what part of history do you find the most interesting? And I thought about it for a little bit. And I really think at least at the current moment. Now, I've gone through times and periods where I thought like certain parts of history were uh, more entertaining and more interesting than the others. Like, for instance, uh, at the the summer after I graduated high school, my family went on a vacation to Washington, D.C., where we went to go see the Smithsonian. It was the 4th of July weekend, too. So it was it was it's one of the most memorable things that I've ever experienced in my life, by the way. And I would like to go back at some point. You know, I'm not getting vaccinated to do it, but maybe one day once they get over all this shit. But uh, we went to Washington, D.C. the summer that I graduated high school, saw all the museums, all the cool stuff. And when I saw that, uh, I saw the thing that particularly interested me was seeing the history museum, the part of it at the Smithsonian between like the 50s and the 70s. And they had full recreations of a lot of stuff like 70s stuff they had a full recreation of like a 70s style kitchen appliances and everything and i think honestly that might be the thing that caused my fascination with uh that period of history between like the 50s and the i'd say mid to late 70s i'm very like very intrigued by that period and i think seeing all the lifelike displays and uh, seeing the history of it firsthand at the Smithsonian was the primary generator of that. So 
before I thought about it, I probably would have said that. But one of the most interesting parts of history at at the current moment, like right now in my life that I'm the most interested in is the Roman Empire, because it's such uh, it's seeing the fall of the Roman Empire and how their culture, at least following the culture of the fall of the Roman Empire compared to the life that we live today in 2022 in the U.S., and you see the kind of cultural things that happen towards the decline of the Roman Empire, uh, you know, just utmost degeneracy, the decline of family values, all of the stuff that just so happens to be going on today. And the mirror between that period in history and what's going on today is just so fascinating to me because it leads me to the conclusion that we are a declining empire and that we may see the collapse of the United States, I wouldn't even doubt it, in our lifetime. And when you look at what's happening today versus the kind of culturally degenerate shit that was happening towards the decline of the Roman Empire, they, they're almost mirrors of each other. And that's, it's just so fascinating to me, man. It really is. It really is. Every time I scroll past a a Twitter article or anything like that that talks about the history of the Roman Empire or maybe a, some sort of case study like that, that is an instant, that's a frame one fucking click for me. And I'll sit there and read a 5,000-word article. I don't give a shit because it it's just so fascinating. And anybody that really knows the, the history of this, and I'm not saying that I know everything here. I would like to do some more research on it too. I just kind of get the trickles that come in as they come in. But... It's fascinating. It really is fascinating. Go back and read a little bit of uh, Roman culture in the decline period and see how that aligns with uh, the culture that we are encouraging in today's society. And again, it's not just limited to the U.S. There are other elements of that in just about everywhere in the world besides uh, besides China, because China is getting control of their shit by force or not. So after thinking about it, I, I'd probably go with uh, one of those two periods, depending on when you ask me, because yeah, I'll, I'll still get ridiculously fascinated by like the 50s to 70s of the U.S. history. I'll still fascinated by that, too. But lately, the decline in our society has given me a vastly, vastly increased interest in the decline of the Roman Empire, at least. So, see, I'm glad we got to think about that. I'm glad I had the night to mull it over and think about that, because that ended up being a lot better than searching up fucking tryptophobia and creeping myself out and giving me the goosebumps. Oh, God, I'm still thinking about the, the fucking shit coming out of holes from yesterday. Gross. All right, let's generate a new question. All right, so Monday's question that we will answer is... What's something that is common today that humans will be embarrassed about doing in 50 years? There, there is a lot of stuff. There is a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff, man. And, you know, I might just answer this right now. It's all it's the fucking mask shit and the the lunatic far lefties like having this demonic psycho look on their face as they're vaccinating their crying three year old children or I'm telling you, man, we're going to look back on that in 50 years and go, what the fuck was wrong with us? 
it's because we got riled up in a tizzy by the mainstream media and let them fearmonger us to a point where, you know, this is this is just life now. The psyop worked, people. And that will do it for the conspiracy theory podcast for tonight. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I love you all. Please be sure to follow at Simulation Radio on everything. I will see you all tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern with the crew for the very interesting show. Fun stuff on the docket. See you then. See you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you.